All right. Welcome to Drinking Night with a Movie Problem. <laughs> Matt and Laura are here to talk about a friend of ours had just made a movie called I Never Dreamed of My Son. Uh, Jason Blevin. Jason Blevins. Full disclosure, he's a good friend of ours that ran a coffee shop for a while just up the street. And yeah. Filmmaker and mate. Coffee shop, coffee connoisseur, owner, coffee really good espressos. Uh, what do you think was better, the the espressos or oh, the, the egg sandwiches? Oh, the egg sandwiches were really good, <laughs> and I was so waiting for, you know, I, I when the coffee shop finally closed, I asked for the recipe, and he's like, or where he sourced mm-hmm. his his. And he handmade. He them. handmade them. Bastard. <laughs> <sighs> All right, but we're not here to talk about his. Cooking, which is shop. amazing. Yeah. Or his coffee, which is oh, also amazing. amazing. Anya was great, too. She, yeah. Yeah. Oh she was so creative and inventive. Anyway, yeah. moving on. We're going to talk about his movie. Yeah. A really cool movie. Uh, New Yorker just put it out. So what were your big takeaways? Um, so I think the first thing, and maybe it's just because it have, uh, featured so heavily in all the intro shots, um, was like... And maybe it's also because I'm a Coriada nerd, but like there are these kind of quiet mm. moments um, where he holds on things, teapot, uh, like a, a, a teapot being filled and and, and poured. Um, like a, he has these long shots of like of like a car uh, kind of driving either into the foreground or the background as like Alexander is is moving around the country. And like you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of Coriata specifically, and these kind of like long takes that give this kind of a peaceful uh, uh, or, or or but but here what you get out of that is more like just like life like the daily kind of way in which days and days and months and months and years and years go by and you're still waiting like yeah it, the it, it gives you that of life of just that, like life just going on it's weird you're right it was really peaceful for a movie about some really dark stuff well you know what's funny also you notice is that there's there's no music which oh, like you yeah, would think yeah, of, yeah. and that that would like in a in a short film that that documents like a father that lost or that that's still looking for his missing son you, it's missing you, you, or, well, the music. Well, or you're missing or the. You, 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 well, you would expect that that would be like a thing where you would be you would be primed to put some nice maudlin sad music in it, and even at the moment where he's like still you know like he's learned that that the uh, uh, that that uh, the, the the person he thought was his son that he saw in the in in the in the in the images online. Uh, what and now we're getting ahead of like kind of the plot, but <laughs> uh, but but he he sees this uh, this person that he thinks is his son. He has this moment of hope, and then he realizes that it's not him. Uh, and and like at that moment of realization, uh, you'd think that that's the perfect moment to throw like some really sad music in there and really gut punch your audience. But it but okay yes, but I also feel like you're tossing in a plot point that didn't exist there where he mm-hmm. you. You got a couple titles that was like it was mm-hmm. not his son, but you, you, I didn't feel like he really came to terms with the fact that he wasn't his son on mm-hmm. screen, which mm-hmm. would have been something interesting to explore. Yeah. yeah, but 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 like my point is like that those moments, even at the moments when Alexander, when when the father is like breaking emotionally, 
Jason just like lets that emotion speak for itself. Mm. He doesn't add like a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of sad. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there like the the emotion speaks for itself rather than adding a a score of some kind that that heightens that. No, it's a very quiet, and I'm totally mistaken. Mm. There were a couple shots of him just breaking Mm. down, Mm. and and those were timed at the point within the structure Mm -hmm. where it was like you just the audience just found Mm -hmm. out that it wasn't his son and that was really rough yeah so so what what about you what were your takeaways my big takeaways i think the reason i think the question that's really being explored in this movie is looking at how our brain manipulates our memories and how we Mm. process information and how we process new information even visual information and lies in order to protect us. Mm. And I found that really interesting because mm. I always find that just fascinating. The way mm-hmm. in which like reality isn't really reality. We constructed ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's very much of what what Alexander had done, especially when he saw the footage and he's like, That's it. That's my son. I know it's my son. A father yeah, I, recognizes his son. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I, I actually loved the way in which they introduced uh, uh, the, the 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 kind of not son that they that they found this other kind of member of this vo- of volunteer militia um, that like because they they don't immediately just like cut to this guy and bring him in he's interspersed in a few shots as he it, like but you don't see his face you you see him like you know uh, over the shoulder as he's like walking across a, uh, a you know walking across a town square and you hear the voiceover from from Alexander like a father knows his son it was absolutely him. And then you go on to other other you know narrative elements, and then like you you know after like you know thirty seconds to a minute, there's another shot of him in like yeah. an, you know, getting into an elevator, and again you still don't see his face, and they're like kind of the 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 shadow of his missing son kind of hangs over Alexander, and the, and the the way that the the man who was mistaken for his son uh, was introduced yeah. kind of kind of reflects that that way in which he the, the, the his that Alexander's missing son is casting the shadow over his life. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Just the back of him with the way that his hair was cut, and since they'd set it up where you saw what he looked like. Like mm-hmm. it was since this was our second time watching, we knew it wasn't his son. And mm-hmm. in the article, it explains that it's not his son. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't know that it wasn't his son, mm-hmm. it, it's set up well, really well as a piece of dramatic well, tension of like, who's that guy? Could that or be? Is, is this going to be one of those like reintroduction things where he's going to where one of these doors he's going to open is going to be the door to a room in which Alexander is sitting mm-hmm. and they're going to film the like the reuniting because that's, you know, that's a, a really common like we've all seen those videos online and, oh. and, and you'd hope you, you hope for that. But it's not that. No, no. Oh, it was a beautifully shot film. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think about that, that it kind of made me think about is the the kind of the political, like the complexity of the political situation in Ukraine. Because like you know, it, it took a second watching for me to put together the dots that you know Alexander talks about how he can't get help from the government. He's calls all these called all these agencies, and he's got this stack of, of folders uh, of of what he's looking for. And, or or of, of having reached out to the government and all these different agencies and no one's helping him. And then there's like, 
it's just a second that you hear it, but like, or it's mentioned a couple times that like his son was in a volunteer militia mm-hmm. and it's like on the second watching all of a sudden that clicked for me of like, this is like a private or like a volunteer group of militia fighters. That's sort of paramilitary, not in the pejorative sense of that, but, but, but literally he's not a part of the like actual military. It's like a volunteer thing, but that's why, but that's why the government, then the government of Ukraine goes, well, we don't have any record of that because it's not within the official armed forces. And the and the complexity of, of of a situation where like that's even a part of it, you know, like like you know, and or that's even a part of or, or an additional layer of the problem. Like, imagine if your kid went over to like go fight in World War II, but he didn't go over in like the in the in the U.S. Army. He went over to like volunteer with like the French Foreign Legion. And now you're trying to get information out of the out of them, out of the, you know, this like ragtag volunteer force that's like not even part of a, you know. I anyway. mean, that's happening even today. Mm-hmm. Apparently there is an entire battalion of Canadians that have gone back no. to Ukraine to fight today. Yeah. There's a huge number of Ukrainians that yeah. immigrated to Canada because you've got a very similar biome. Oh, farming. interesting. And so it's very easy for them to transition and use the same farming techniques that they'd picked uh, up in Ukraine. Oh, cool. Kind of like the and Swedes so, in Minnesota. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And and there's so many, again, there's so many Canadians that have gone back to go fight in Ukraine. They've got a whole battalion. Mm-hmm. So that's happening today. And, oh, man. <sighs> Was I the only one who saw the who saw the uh, sunflower shots and thought of that, like, old lady saying, you know, like, carry sunflower seeds in your pockets so that if oh. you die, there will be flowers like that, that like Ukrainian this like Ukrainian curse or whatever that like some of the, 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 the again, all of the different like apocryphal stories coming out of like, you know, or all the different stories of, of defiance coming out of the uh, uh, coming out of the, the Russian invasion. Um, and then that was one that I remembered. And, and I saw the sunflowers and immediately thought of that. I forgot about that. Did you know that the sunflowers were you? Did you notice that the sunflowers were used as a, a device, like a visual device? Oh, like to gravestones, marry the, yeah. Well, gravestones, but to marry like the two different kinds of footage. Mm. They had the sunflowers in the like four by three ratio grainy footage. Uh, and they also had it in that more high footage, quality, yeah. like gone back with a really nice camera to record it. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, and I didn't notice that until the second watch of like some of the war footage of the tanks mm-hmm. is in the sunflowers. Yeah. Oh, that I remember. Oh, you, you, the man. war footage of the tanks was from the sunflowers, and then you get the sunflower field, um, and then that final shot, the drone shot panning up and out of all the sunflowers. That's like you know gives you this like we're starting this close. This is one. This is this one is grain one of sand. One thing that's happened, and this has happened to seven hundred and. 50 people at least and all of their friends and families and the friend like like the, the way that all that's been touched, and that's and and, and and that's as of what like this this is you know this this was filmed before the russia invaded ukraine i mean thank god jason and, and anya weren't over there when that happened but like you know but like but you know the the number of stories like this has only just exploded you say thank god i also feel like jason would 100 percent have been excited to go film some of well like, He's a little bit crazy, so... The fun kind of crazy, though. <laughs> I like him. No, no. Alright, so, so, so final final oh, oh, final thoughts. Not, not oh. Final thoughts. Uh, so speaking of like the visual metaphor of like the sunflowers, mm-hmm. I also caught a or at least it's always funny the symbolism that is mm-hmm. exists within media. Mm-hmm. I don't know how intentional any of it ever is, but like I 
You kind of got the cat and like, oh, the cat. The cat with nine cats, lives. Oh, oh, I thought of it more in terms of like cats are a creature that will sometimes just depart and not come back. Oh, and like, but, but 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 no, no, but but more like that, like. He'll come back. I'm sure. I'm you know like the the the, yeah. the, 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 the like you know the number, the number of cat owners that have lived through that, which is mm. a super flippant way to like and uh, uh, you know to to describe that. But but um, here's the other the other question I wanted to ask you actually. Mm. Um, what did you think of um, so the the uh, I think it was like Vitali uh, the, the 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 man who who Alexander mistook for his son right mm. he saw this video he sees that's my son Tepviaco uh, uh, Tepviaco okay uh, like Tepviaco um, when he's like you know I'm I, unfortunately it's unfortunate that he mistook me for his son he obviously feels terrible about it like that he's mm. like you know that, that, that you like and you've got to feel like you're near that situation if you're in that situation like you're snatching hope from this old man even though like you you had nothing all all you uh, you know you, he had nothing to do with that but but the but one thing that stuck with me and that I was very thought provoking was Tepfiaki describes. Uh, Alexander as courageous in continuing to hold out mm. hope that his son is still alive. Um, and I was curious, like, like, what do you think of the, the like, because, because it seems like there's a lot of, like, I, I found that an interesting word. Uh, courageous. Yeah. It really, the key word there is courageous and how you define courageous. And yeah, it's perhaps it's courageous because it's not the easy thing to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it also seems like the most natural thing to do of like your brain protecting itself of like even just like rationalizing yeah. things like, well, I haven't dreamed of him. So therefore, he must still yeah. be alive. Yeah, hope. Uh, yeah. But like but also like the, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Like the this idea that your brain does this to protect you. But but also, you know, for there are lots of people who get crushed by 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 those kinds of losses and like, you know, hope persevering. And perhaps that's what's still keeping him alive. And, and the, the hope that he could and he very well. well still and, could and maybe be. that one, maybe that's a thing that, that, that really means something to, you know, uh, Tev, Teviaco. I'm sorry, I'm terrible. You have better Tevliaco. names than me. Tevliaco. I just like, wrote it down. Like as someone who has been through, has been a POW, mm. probably tortured. Um, definitely subjected to this like walk of shame, certainly <laughs> loving lost friends and, and like to, to, to like that old man's hope probably means something personal to him, you know, to, or to, to Tevliaka. I mean, I, yeah, you're, you bringing up the walk of shame actually sparked a couple thoughts from me. Like one, I found it really interesting that they called it the walk of shame where looking at that footage, mm-hmm. at least half of those prisoners of war don't look ashamed at all. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there, you know, that was not, I don't know that that walk was intended to make them feel ashamed so much as it is like, yeah. you know, that's all morale building yeah. propaganda exercises. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I mean, like the, you know, you go back to like the Romans, right? The triumph, like march your defeated enemies through the city and all your people can rally around and be like, mm. you know, like, a, like that's, and like what just happened with Russia just a day or two ago. Did Russia do that? Did Didn't they have? It wasn't a march, but it was a stadium. That oh, they, they, they had a huge rally I, or, or like and like kind of Putin had this big moment. And I, I, I don't know if like there were Ukrainian prisoners there. I, I hope oh. not. That would, that would really be awful. Oh, 
<sighs> that was... That was a lot. There were a lot of really emotional moments. A lot of really emotional moments for me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I have a note here. Just a quick... I actually really appreciated the way that the photos were laid out within the film. So often photos are scanned and then put up full screen. Mm. And I thought it was really well done that the photos were in the context of the father's home. And you mm. got to see them, but it, you, yeah. it wasn't like a very crystal clear image of them. Because, of course, it doesn't really matter whether mm-hmm. or not you see the photos. One, mm-hmm. It reveals that the photos are just so present in his mind, in his life, like he's constantly mm-hmm. there with mm-hmm. them. And two, I think the context just adds a lot narratively. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. That was a good choice. Yep. Mm, another emotional moment was just in the very beginning, and I thought this was a great way of setting up the film. And I'm not sure when they edited this, if mm-hmm. this was edited before or after today's political mm-hmm. events. But just nobody in 2014 thought that Russia would attack, like... Oh, yeah, God. Oh, man. Yeah, that's... That's definitely, like, sitting in 2022 in March with, like, an actual full-on and full-scale invasion. Yeah, that's that's definitely a uh, or rather pointed, like, no one thought Russia would attack line. <sighs> man... Right now, I'm, like, breezing through a History of Ukraine book and just seeing this country that's been fighting for an independent nation. I think Mm -hmm. something that I found really poignant is that, like, they're just smashed between Poland, who's got a monarchy, and Russia, who's got the czars, and they're fighting for democracy, like, way earlier, Mm -hmm. way earlier than so many of their bordering countries. Mm -hmm. And you had a point earlier with Ukraine just simply by the fact of having its own language. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that was just, you know, all the when Putin was going on his like Ukraine's not a real country. Ukraine's not a real people. These are just Russians like mm. by another name. And we you know, like it's a fiction that the USSR created when they created the, you know, when, when they let Ukraine have its own Soviet Socialist Republic rather than like just making it part of the Russian SSR. And it's like it's, it's bullshit on a lot of levels. But, yeah, like the fact that they have their own distinct language is just is just one and then you know you get back into a lot of the things that you know uh, uh like that as the bolsheviks are taking power in the soviet union at you know in the 197 in the 1910s uh during the uh during world war 1 there's this whole alternate separatist socialist movement within Ukraine that's built around Ukrainian nationalism. They form their own government mm. called the Prada that they, you know, that they try to seize power. Anyway, yeah. now I'm getting like, you know, go to Mike Duncan's podcast on revolutions. If you want like a really deep dive onto that, I'm going to try not to duplicate a political <laughs> history podcast on a movie podcast. <laughs> Wise. The front lines of Donetsk. Yeah. That was really hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah, the shots of the fake sun, the parade of shame. Ugh. Oh, yeah, okay. I have two questions for you mm-hmm. uh, for my final thoughts, okay. or at least mine. You might have a, a additional final thoughts. Mm-hmm. But one, 
why is this film released now? And the answer is because Russia just attacked Ukraine. It's not an answer. That's too easy. Well, what what other answer do you <laughs> like? Uh, I don't know. Why or like? Why did the New Yorker publish this film now? Uh, I mean, like. I wonder if Jason and the crew were waiting for news of the sun and with the well, war breaking out now, it's just like that news is not going to come for a very long time, if ever now. Yeah. Well, that's the I mean, def- definitely there's a part of a part of it is that like that you if you read the New Yorker article that accompanies the film, um, Jason met and knew the missing son in 2014, because, you know, as Jason is wont to do. He was on the ground in the middle of a revolution and, and, you know, he, you know, was filming and interviewing people at like, you know, in in the square where all the, where, where all the, the young rebels and, 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 you know, freedom fighters were at, were out and about. Uh, and, and he met, uh, uh, you know, Alexander's son who then, you know, uh, later joins this volunteer militia and goes missing. So, Mm. uh, but yeah, I'm, I imagine, Part of this is Jason's own uh, kind of coming to terms with or or grappling with uh, his own feelings about this this person that he knew uh, that that disappeared and you know the the uncertainty of you know of of, of yeah. you know obviously you know if if Jason's experiencing it, this that that emotional turmoil at a ten uh, Alexander himself is somewhere north of a thousand because it's his own son but but Jason obviously has his own. Uh, goes to grapple with you know through this, and I think this film is sort of yeah the the the, the some the the culmination of uh, years of grappling with that question. And to your point, it's not something that that Jason could have made in you know you know a few months after only a few months after uh, after this you know his, the son was went missing. It's it's got to be. It takes time for, you know, this this speaks to the time he spent kind mm. of uh, wrestling with that in his mind. Yeah, it seems like almost this repeating narrative of just mm-hmm. something that's just att- happened over and mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again to mm-hmm. a country just constantly up against. Yeah, I mean, well, think about like, you know, the World War II tragedy of Ukraine of being part of the Soviet Union, having the Nazis roll in being ground zero for the fight between those two parties being stomped all over by the Nazis as they're advancing east. Mm. And then they stall out in Stalingrad and the Soviet, the Red Army starts advancing west and you get to be ground zero for a battlefield again. And the hard thing about being a battlefield is one the tragedy of mm. what's happening with the people who had either volunteered or were of the right age and got conscripted. But when you're a battlefield. Oh, it's everybody that's caught in the crossfire. Just like the, the people that are, you know, caught in the crossfire today. Yeah. I have one more question for you before mm. I ask it, which is going to wrap up this up. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, Anything else you took notes on? No, I mean, like the we've kind of gotten through all my, all of my thoughts on on this one. I mean, it's 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 a really a really gripping look at the human tragedy mm. of these kind of conflicts at like a focused in level, and just like that, just like that shot of the sunflowers at the end, where you're focused in on 
a small number of sunflowers and you pan out just like like panning out over Arlington Cemetery, like starting at one one cross and panning out and seeing the thousands behind like the 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 oh, it, it, the only way to get at the, the scale of the tragedy is to try and focus on one thing that happened, but then to try and step back from it and, and remind yourself that this is one story. And there are thousands like it. But that's how the human brain is wired. I think there was actually a study done with uh, one of those little cardboard quarter donation pieces. You know, you put you mm-hmm. see them out mm-hmm. on stores way back when people actually had quarters and they had three different copies of the same card. The first being go help children, mm-hmm. go help education in a country in Africa. And then the second one would be help this specific school. And then the third one was help Nadia or something like that. And the overwhelmingly successful Mm -hmm. version of that card was help this single child, help Nadia. Well, yeah, I mean, that's how how our brains work. But it doesn't mean that it's like not, it doesn't make it less valuable to understand why that, you know, (laughs) that that our brains work that way. And to be honest, I'd much rather watch a short film about a singular story rather than Mm -hmm. see like a data presentation of like, wow, look at those spreadsheets. That's the way your brain works. Final thought then. Question. Do you think he's still alive? I don't think he is. And that's sad, but... I think he is. I think he is because I'm just going to stick with... I'm going to stick with Alexander. Hmm. Like... I think I'm more comfortable Mm -hmm. in my little bubble of life thinking like, he is alive. Mm -hmm. It's okay. He's alive. Pessimist. Usually I'm the optimistic one. I know. I know. Well, this is the uh, movie drinking podcast with the movie problem. And I'm Matt. I'm Laura. Thanks for listening.